monetizing digital services since 2004, boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. LinkedIn presents. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Bobby Harrington about the importance of self-trust, self-belief, and self-leadership. Bobby Harrington, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you, John. Pleasure to be here. It is a pleasure to be with you. You're joining us from the Houston area in Texas. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about self-leadership, self-trust and self-belief and how that connects with self-leadership and why all of this is so important. As we get started, I wanted to share Bobby's bio with everybody. Bobby Harrington is the founder and the Rubicon Course of Action Immersive Leadership Development Company, specializing in performance programs and immersive leadership development events. He has practiced leadership in sports, martial arts, the military, private business, and a Fortune 100 oil and gas company. He has taught leadership in 24 different countries with 13 languages. His work focuses on people and leadership, team design, and technical innovation leadership. He earned a degree in intelligence studies and international relations later in life. Bobby is a United States Marine Corps Desert Shield and Desert Storm Gulf War veteran and lives in Texas with his wife and family. Uh, What a tremendous background. Uh, You've done so many cool things, and I'm really thrilled to have the chance to sit down with you, to pick your brain, and to learn from your experiences and your expertise. Uh, Before we launch on into the conversation, is there anything else you would like to share by way of your background or your personal context that you'd like to highlight? And then we'll jump on in. No, I I think you pretty much covered it, John. I like it short and concise. Thank you. Okay. Well, as we dive in, let's uh, just define some things. So first of all, what do you mean by self-leadership? How do you define that? And then we can get into why it's so important. Great. You know, self-leadership is how we govern ourselves. It's not unlike following other leaders, but when it comes to self-leadership, you know, we're the ones giving ourselves directions and we're the ones that are accountable to ourselves, right? And, you know, self-leadership is the root of all other forms of leadership. Uh, you know, we live in the age of symptoms, right? You know, get this pill and, and do this, but we don't look at the root of things a lot. But when, when they look at leadership, you know, self-leadership is truly the root. 
And it's basically, you know, the foundation of that is uh, your character and the values that you live by your core values. Absolutely. And we need to be grounded in those core values, uh, especially in this turbulent, messy world that we're in. Uh, The rate and pace of change is increasing. Uh, There's just so much going on around us constantly uh, that can bring us down. And unless we have that kind of foundation and we have those core values to guide us, uh, it's going to be really difficult. And we're going to find ourselves put in compromising positions where potentially, you know, while it wouldn't be our intention, we wouldn't wake up in the morning thinking, hey, I'm going to go today, I'm going to go to work, or I'm going to go to this team or in my family today, I'm going to hurt somebody, or I'm going to exploit somebody, or I'm going to take advantage of somebody. I don't think most people do that consciously. But when we find ourselves in those hard situations where push comes to shove, uh, where the rubber meets the road, and we're, we're our backs up against the wall with difficult decisions to be made, uh, it, it can be very easy if we don't have those core values to guide what we're trying to do. Uh, e- even when we have those core values, it's not easy <laughs> to to stay strong and to to uh, uh, do right by those around us and right by ourselves. So I appreciate that uh, focus. Uh, so you started to talk a little bit about why it's so important. Um, any other thoughts on on why today uh, perhaps self-leadership is even more important uh, than it's been. Uh, it's always been important, I suppose, but why is it so important today? Why is it um, more important perhaps than it was in the past? So let's take a look at the last few years, how the pandemic, you know, really revealed leaders. Uh, it revealed a crisis of leadership across all sectors in the workplace and government. You know, when the pressure is on and leaders have to make choices, there's two decisions, right? Rise to the occasion and use your character and your values that you've learned to make decisions or follow and do what everybody else is doing. And what we saw is, is most people followed others. Now, the dichotomy or the, you know, the other side of that is you saw some great leadership in spots. And those people, you know, were able to lead themselves. You know, they were, they had self trust and self belief and they're confident. And look, they made a decision. You know, it, it goes back to, uh, you know, sort of my days in the Marine Corps where, you know, you had to make a decision. And, and here's the thing. There's a right decision, a wrong decision, and no decision. No decision being the absolute worst. At least if I make a bad decision and it's not egregious, I can learn, right? It's kind of like failure. There's two, two dimensions to failure. You know, the constructive side where you learn and the destructive side where, you know, it's kind of woe is me. But uh, that's that's kind of my thoughts on the last few years. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Uh, I've seen so many people that have analysis paralysis. They just get stuck on decision-making. And to their credit, they're recognizing the complexity. They're recognizing the messiness. Uh, and and they want to make the right decision, but they get so stuck and, and trapped in that moment. And they, they're not able to move forward at all. And no decision is probably the worst thing you can do. Because at least if yeah, you certainly don't want to hurt people, um, but you put your best step forward and then you have this continual cycle of self-reflection and evaluation. And then you can see, did it work? Did it have the impact that you thought it would have? Were there unintended consequences that you need to now account for? And then you iterate and you learn, like you said, you learn, you iterate, you try something else and you improve over time. Uh, Nobody expects you to be perfect. You're never going to be perfect, regardless of whatever your best intentions are. Uh, And so move forward. Learn from mistakes if they happen, own up to those mistakes if they happen, lean on the expertise of the people around you, um, and and you'll get better, and you'll make better decisions, and you'll have better 
uh, impact on those around you. But if you get stuck in just not being able to move at all, uh, the, the, the outcome of that is essentially the same. Uh, you're as if you'd made the bad decision, only it's often quite a bit worse, um, because everyone around you is also stuck. And then those negative things that you're concerned about are just going to happen, uh, by default because you're not doing anything else. No, that's a hundred percent correct. And I don't know, you have so much varied experience, uh, throughout your career, you know, in, in sports and military and business, et cetera. Uh, any examples that you've had, you know, that help illustrate this point and drive it home in terms of, you know, where you've perhaps seen, uh, people who are really excellent at being able to move forward and, and, and live and, and lead based on those core values and make the decisions and learn from their mistakes versus maybe where that didn't happen. And you had people who are a little bit stuck, like we were just talking about. Yeah, no, that's a supreme question. So I would go back to the Marine Corps. You know, the Marine Corps is all about being aggressive and making decisions and learning from them and and trying not to make that egregious, again, decision. And, you know, back to your point about, you know, people getting stuck and paralyzed, you know, that's sort of, you know, it's like a wildfire. You know, if, if people see that the leader's stuck, well, then then they they want to be stuck. You know, they don't know what to do. Uh, and I've seen a lot of people, and I kind of, for me, that's kind of what differentiates managers versus leaders. You know, a leader is steeped in action and not going to, is going to see the forest and not necessarily the trees, whereas a manager is going to see a tree and, you know, how tall is the tree, how wide is the tree, and, you know, how can we cut this tree? And, you know, the leader is like, hey, let's get to work. We got axes, let's go. That was the Marine Corps. On the other side of that is sort of corporate America, right? Uh, you know, the last company I worked in had about 58,000 people. And we would often, you know, there's an oil and gas. So oil and gas, you know, every five to seven years, you can expand or contract. And, you know, so you're always ramping up with manpower and ramping down. And the way they approach these things is called a reduction of manpower. And, you know, you, you see the news where, you know, People go to work one day and they get a pink slip, right? Well, corporate America doesn't do it that way. You know, these ROMs can last anywhere from eight to 10 months. In my experience, I've been, I've been through four or five of those. And that was uh, my first lesson in change management, right? Um, you know, I had been through a lot of change and, you know, these, these programs are, are nothing more than formalizing what people have been through, right? But what I learned about change management, uh, the successful people, you know, they were transparent and they engaged with the workforce. Those were the ones that worked very good. Now, on the other side of that, you know, you had leaders that would not share information. You didn't know what was going on and people would, you know, they would just get into a silo, right, and shut down. So those are probably the two best examples that that I could give. Yeah, those are great examples. And I've seen it all around me, too, in, in a variety of settings. I haven't uh, served in the military uh, and I'm not like great at sports, but I have, you know, been involved in team sports. I, I am actually more involved in music and in choirs and things like that. So you do see these dynamics play out in different contexts. And for most of us and, and most listening or watching the, the episode today, um, you know, I'm sure you have examples in your own mind that are popping up in relation to your workplace, your teams. Uh, and the question is, you know, how have the, the people around you led uh, and 
I think we all have, unfortunately, a lot of bad examples that come to mind, but hopefully we all have at least a, one or two or, you know, a handful of some of those really great leaders who just were superb and were, you know, doing many of the things that we're talking about. All right. Something else I want to talk about uh, is self-trust and self-belief and how those elements can be a foundation to this self-leadership uh, that we've been uh, exploring together. So tell me a little bit about what you think about in terms of self-trust and self-belief. What are those? Why are they important? How are they interrelated? Uh, and how do they lead to lasting discipline and self-leadership? Yeah, no, no, that's awesome. You know, self-trust and self-belief are probably the the two biggest gifts that we can give ourselves. So I'll start with self-trust. You know, self-trust is doing what I say I'm going to do time and time again, right? And the more we keep our word to ourselves or keep our promises, we're going to de- develop self-trust. And be- before I believe in myself, I have to trust myself. You know, you can say, you can look at someone from the outside and say, hmm, you know, why would I believe in them? You know, I would have to trust them first. So trust is, you know, sort of the bedrock. And following self-trust, you know, we begin to believe in ourselves because we've committed to our promises and we've accomplished, right? You know, believing in yourself takes some element of accomplishment, no matter how small or large. And that's where the power of self-belief lies. So on the foundation of self-trust and self-belief, after that, it's just a matter of formulating a plan making sure the purpose of the plan fits in your daily life and then deciding to act. And, you know, that right there, those elements are discipline, right? That That's what I've found it to be. I've always been a student of leadership and, you know, when I, you wonder why people quit the gym after two weeks, um, you know, can't stay committed to things is because, you know, they're missing the foundation of discipline, which is self-trust and, and self-belief. How do you develop that if if you don't have it? Um, now, you know, again, I, I see a lot of really well-meaning individuals. Uh, the beginning of the new year is a really prime example. Like you just said, the gym uh, is a great example, but most new year's resolutions um, peter out within that first month or so. Um, and I, I find it really sad because not because someone didn't end up going to the gym per se, like it, it, I just, but I wish, you know, if they had set that, if they committed to themselves that they were going to do this, um, to try to see it through, it'd be almost better if they hadn't made the goal in the first place. Right. Because now they're doubting themselves and they're saying, oh, see, I can't do it. Um, and, and that erodes on your self-confidence, your self-belief, your self-trust, um, your self-efficacy. And now you feel, you know, more like you just have to react to the world around you as a pro, as opposed to, you know, really taking hold, taking the reins and, and driving your own, um, decisions and your own successes, uh, and failures. And, and so now that's not to say that you're not going to have setbacks. Of course we all are. And you set goals and they don't always work out and you, sometimes you have to recalibrate, et cetera. Um, but I, but I do have that concern, um, you know, about people who maybe, uh, set goals that are beyond stretch goals that just aren't reasonable and it's actually going to undermine their own confidence. Um, and so how, how do you disrupt that pattern though? Because we see it again and again, and every year when new year's comes around and we talk about new year's resolutions and we have the same tropes around, uh, everyone, you know, uh, 
not seeing them through, et cetera. I think many people just stop, give, stop and give up on having any um, goals or resolutions whatsoever because they just don't feel like it's even what's the point. Um, how do we interrupt this to start from the ground level to rebuild our self-trust, our self-belief, our self-confidence so that we can have more of that discipline and, and self-leadership that will not only impact us, but it, it has uh, it's infectious, right? It impacts all those around us. It will impact people on our teams, uh, whether we have a formal leadership role or not. Uh, we will be leading because people will see how we behave and how we act and how we interact with them. Monetizing digital services since 2004, boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. No, great question. I can describe that in two words, but I'll, I'll articulate after. So number one is desire. Number two is delayed gratification, right? So if you're, if you're daring greatly, and I write about this in, in my new book, if you're daring greatly at some point, your desire for that goal is going to be tested, right? Now, on the other side of that, there's delayed gratification, you know, and let's just go back to the gym example. You don't get the beach body or the 500 pound squat in the first week, right? It's the same thing with leadership. As a leader, you're never done. You know, you, ha you have to embrace delayed gratification. You know, there, there are points in my career where I thought, gosh, you know, I'll never get there as a leader. But guess what? You know, after 34 years, you know, I had it down. You know, I had a lot of things mastered. I wasn't perfect, you know, by any stretch of the means. But, you know, I I came to embrace delayed gratification and just I just had to realize that the road is long. You know, so for any goal, you know, I would tell people, you know, don't look for the you know, if you're getting the big bang result in one week, you know, well, that's amazing. But, you know, that just really doesn't happen, especially if you're, you know, using the gym example. But, you know, there's other examples, too. You know, the course of a career is the same thing. Yeah. You know, you're not going to be CEO in, in five years. You know, I'm sorry, it's just not going to happen. I saw that time and time again in, in the last company I worked for is, you know, you know, folks were highly aggressive and high performing and, you know, they want to progress. But, you know, guess what? There are more important things. You know, you know, what about, you know, self-promotion, you know, not not self-promoting self, but like, you know, you can be promoted without getting a structural promotion or the raise yeah. or whatever. And that's in your behaviors and how your peers, you know, view you. Yeah. So, again, as we as we think about building that discipline with delayed gratification. Um, it, it's an interesting thing because in popular culture nowadays, you know, we hear a lot about being your true authentic self and living in the moment and being present uh, and mindful and, and all of those things. And I think sometimes, um, you know, now people can have different opinions about all of those things I just said. Um and, and sometimes people think, oh, they're woo woo and I, I'm not really going to worry about any of that stuff. Um, and other times people feel like, oh, they're, it's completely, uh, separate from this whole idea of, of delayed gratification. Um, I, I just don't think so. And I, I think it, it's a, it's a common narrative in, in popular culture that somehow it seems like if you have long-term goals, if you're, if you have delayed gratification, if you're working for the future, in, in at the expense of, you know, joy, happiness, or, you know, some sort of pleasure today that somehow that's bad. 
I, I don't think that's actually what it means when we talk about being mindful or you know mindfulness practices or or those sorts of things. I think the two can and should go hand in hand. And in fact, I think you're going to have more discipline. You're going to be able to be more resilient as you practice regular self-care, as you practice mindfulness, uh, as you not only live in the moment and, and enjoy, you know, what's in front of you right now, the relationships, the, the people you're talking to, don't be so distracted, be in the moment, but at the same time, you can still prepare for the future, uh, whether it's higher education that takes years or, uh, whether it's, 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 it's honing a particular skill, or we talked about sports, you know, you don't become a great basketball player or baseball player or name the sport. You don't become great overnight. Uh, I don't care how talented you are. You have to work at it consistently over time every day for years before you're going to have any of those massive results. Same thing in business, same thing in relationships. And so we have to be in the moment, but we also have to prepare for the future uh, and and have that delayed gratification, be willing uh, to sacrifice a little bit now for successes in the future. And as I think about my own life, now I'm not like the epitome of like any great example or anything, but um, but I do, I look back and I'm in my mid forties now. I look back at, you know, the last 20 plus years of my career and education and various uh, work opportunities, research, et cetera. And I think, wow, um, there are a lot of things that I can, like things that I have opportunities with today that I wouldn't have opportunities to do had I not done certain things 10, 15, 20 years ago that at the time I just kind of had this hope that it might pay off. I had this hope that maybe uh, it would have a positive influence on my future, but I didn't really know. Um, and, and in some cases I didn't even have a hope. I, d- I didn't even realize that it could potentially influence me in the future. And yet, as you consistently make those efforts over time, life starts to unfold before you and, and new opportunities arise. Uh, and so we don't want to, uh, uh, shortchange our future selves um, by not uh, having more discipline uh, and and trying to you know build some self confidence. Sometimes from the ground up. Sometimes you hit rock bottom. You got to rebuild. That's okay. Uh, but just keep on trying. Keep on learning. Uh, foster resilience. Uh, all of that I think will will help us get to where we want to be. And that none of that means we're going to live a perfect life. None of that means we're always going to be happy. Uh, you know, we're going to have our ups and downs. That's just part of the human condition. Uh, but uh, as we practice some of the things you've been uh, sharing with us today, I do think that overall uh, we will have more contentment and satisfaction. We will develop ourselves and our skills. We will have more meaningful relationships. We will do more meaningful work, et cetera, et cetera. And ultimately that's going to lead to all sorts of things we can't even foresee, you know, in our own futures. You know, all experiences are a gift and you're right. You know, I, I've reached back to my Marine Corps days, which was 34 years ago, you know, for lessons, you know, part of my book is on that. Um, you know, in in relation to goals, you know, there's always a main goal, right? But that's the destination, right? It's all about breaking it down into manageable, smaller, micro goals. You know, and if a person takes that perspective and works hard at each step, and I'll go back to my time in uh, in martial arts, you know, I was in, you know, Taekwondo, so there's a belt system. And, uh, you know, you weren't going to be a black belt in one year you know, sorry, you know, you got to put in your time and, 
you know, there was a lot of struggle. There was a lot of setbacks. Sometimes, you know, pass a belt test and, you know, that's embarrassing and, and all that. But, you know, all those things are teachers, you know, and that, you know, I had a setback in my corporate career and I went back to, you know, failing a belt test, you know, or failing a private business. And I said, okay, you know, I've been here before and I'm going to pick myself up, dust myself off and, and keep moving. You know, so, you know, people shouldn't look at failures as uh, destructive, you know, and I write about that in the book as well. There's a constructive side, you know, failure and struggle are teachers. And if you let failure and struggle teach, you know, you'll get better, guaranteed. Bobby, this has just been a really great conversation. I know we've only scratched the surface. The time has flown by. I need to let you go here in just a minute. But before we wrap things up for today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, where they can find your book, and then give us the final word on the topic for today. Absolutely. So, uh, you know, folks can find me on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, They can find the company at www.therubiconcoa.com. Again, that's therubiconcoa.com. We offer a range of services such as the Stronger You Coaching Program, where we coach uh, young professionals and entrepreneurs and and even executives, people who have setbacks. Uh, You know, I I teach the things that we talked about that we talked about today. Uh, We have live immersive leadership events that happen each quarter. Uh, I do business-to-business consulting, leadership, and uh, also available to speak. And I guess, you know, my my final thoughts is, you know, genuine self-improvement begins with an honest conversation. And the more honest we are uh, with ourselves, where we need to improve, the deeper the questions get. And that's good because we uncover blind spots that we might have overlooked. And, you know, from that conversation, we, we can make a doable plan to improve because it's based on honesty, Right. It's us talking to ourselves and not relying on any outside influence. You know, young professionals, entrepreneurs, whether leading yourself or leading others, you know, learn to lead through change. You know, be transparent, maintain the engagement, maintain the rapport, and get past the shock of change as quick as possible and go right to exploration, right? Because there's no, there's no value in wallowing in the, in the denial and the bargaining phases. You know, go right to exploration and, and build that resilience. And, and I'm here to help folks do that. So, John, thank you. Thank you so much, Bobby. This has just been a pleasure. I encourage the audience to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Bobby can do for you. Check out the book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. Do you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast? Enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.